Hi everyone, welcome to Ideas Sin. My name is Denise and I am your host, like always, because this is my podcast. And today I'm excited to introduce Brandon Day. Uh, so Brandon and I met, oh my gosh, last year around this time, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The Winter Expo down there in, uh, was that Austin? Oh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was beginning of December last year. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And so we ended up meeting at Precision Camera, like they had a workshop on wildlife photography. Um, and you were there with Michael Morrow, um, mm-hmm. I guess like your business partner, I can say, right? Yep. Yep. On Truth and Legend side. Yep. Yeah. And y'all were hosting a workshop on getting into wildlife photography. And then you guys ended up doing mm-hmm. like another segment on, on videography <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. The, there was another uh, workshop set up for audio and that's what it was. the gentleman didn't show up. And so they were just going to cancel it. And there was a ton of people there. So we were like, Oh, we'll just cover it for you. And over lunch, we put together a terrible presentation with not <laughs> a lot of good audio and it kind of proved the point. And we had like a little JBL speaker. It was the worst. <laughs> but I think you were in that one. There was mm-hmm. probably five or six others in there. And it was more conversational instead of just a lecture. And I think it went so much better than just telling people what they need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> you're saying like you prepared it during lunch. I feel like I was talking to you and, and Michael for most of that time period. So of course you had to yep. like scramble through and just be like, let's just throw this shit yep. together and see how it goes. <laughs> right. Right. And it, we used a lot of bear footage. And so we, mm-hmm. we showed a bear walking through and there was no audio, I think. And we said, what do you hear? And so people would call out what they'd hear. Oh, I hear birds. I hear the water. I hear footsteps. And it's just interesting to hear. And then you play the clip and then you hear all the other stuff that you don't think about, like the wind covering the microphone, the little voice that the bear has. Mm-hmm. And it's just, for those that are creators, audio is so important. And most people will stop listening if there's bad audio before they'll stop watching something that's less interesting. So audio is important. Yeah. I think we got that point across. I think so too. Yeah. I, okay. I can be an audiophile. Well, with music, especially like I really love getting okay. into the depths of music. And when yep. I hear something that sounds shitty, I'm like, Oh, next. <laughs> right. <laughs> On to the next right. one. <laughs> yeah. It's almost immediate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but do you, did you grow up with a background in audio? I know from our conversation, that's not initially what you started with, but on the audio side of things, I don't think I ever got that clarification. No, I've, I've learned everything that I've, uh, from an audio standpoint of having to do video and just capture the audio side. And so once you start down that road, it just becomes, a. first you think the little microphone on top of the cameras, I'm recording through a camera. That's why I'm pointing at you all. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that those are good enough and then you listen to it and then you hear something else. You're like, Oh, well, how did they do that? And, well, it's a bigger microphone. They're closer to the subject. And so it's just YouTube educated at this point and just learning on the job. Um, but my growing up, I was doing mechanic work and I grew up on a ranch. So we bucked hay and mm. that nothing to do with audio except maybe a, <laughs> a wrap from a motorcycle when we got to go out. But no, it was 
nothing to do with audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a transition from working on a farm to going into YouTube. I mean, mm -hmm. so for listeners and viewers, what got you into YouTube? Oh, gosh. So I, I grew up in the mountains in a little town called Bailey. It's about an hour outside of Denver. And it's close enough that you can go to Denver, but it's far enough that you're not doing it every day especially when you're in high school and you're broke. Mm -hmm. And so I got a job as soon as I could. And it was like cutting the heads off of thistles and spraying weed killer down them. And that quickly didn't work out. So as soon as I graduated, I went to the big city thinking, I'm going to go just grab the world and put it in my pocket. And it just did not happen. So I ended up getting a corporate job for like accounting. And I worked my way up over 18 years through a corporate job. And in 2022, we ended up selling the company and I had moved my way up to like the head of investor relations at the company. And I decided I just wasn't going to move to Houston and I was done. And so I quit my job and went into this video world and moving into the video world from corporate America, you think, well, I got a camera, I got a microphone, let's go make some videos. And that's just not how it works. Like you need to have contacts, you need to have advertising. And so I had a lot of time and I met Michael while we were on a, uh, filming bears and he was like big on YouTube and, and I had been thinking about it. And so next thing you know, I'm like, I'm doing it. And so I posted a video every week for like 20 weeks hmm. and it was just exhausting. And they say that you got to post a hundred videos before you get traction and I'm nowhere near that, but it's just every week is focusing on content. And as soon as I started getting a lot of more commercial work, I just couldn't keep it up. And I'd rather focus on client work that's paying versus just YouTube where I was just vlogging. And it wasn't that interesting for the majority of people. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The whole YouTuber world is, it feels like everybody wants to get into it. I mean, I've dabbled yeah. with the idea as well, but I'm like, I don't know what I would put on there. Right. I don't know how to edit this stuff or market it. Mm -hmm. Well, and we started, so we're back at it, uh, Michael and I, and I'll reference Michael. He's just, he's the, we actually have three. It's Eric Youngblood, Michael Morrow, and myself on the YouTube channel. And we started up Truth and Legend uh, YouTube again. So we're four videos in and we have one podcast out there now. So we're, we're just getting that started back up, but it takes a lot more. It's a natural history channel for the most part. We are going to talk about commercial stuff, but for the most part, we're wildlife photographers and videographers. And making a sequence with a moose, for example, or a brown bear is so much harder than just going out and filming like what's in my backpack. Mm -hmm. And so I think Michael spent 35 days um, with moose. Yeah. And I was supposed to be up there with him, but I was doing commercial work. Um, again, you just got to stick with what you're I'm a big person for responsibilities. If I've said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So it was just sticking with all those things that I'd agreed to. Yeah. But, but yeah, YouTube's a, I, if you, I would say anyone that wants to get into filming should go make their own YouTube and just figure it out because it teaches you how to edit. Number one, it teaches you through that edit process, what you're missing, whether it's video footage, B-roll footage, uh, audio, and it's going to make you a much better videographer or even a storyteller at that. And so I would definitely recommend everyone at least try it if they're interested in it, because you're going to level up pretty quickly through it. But that's just personal preference. Yeah. That's awesome. 
I like the B-rolls. Uh, I feel like I'm like a B-roll queen. Like, give me a camera and I'm like the one capturing all of that. Like sitting right. stationary and just recording something is just really boring right. to me. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I could sit here for a while. But again, depends totally. the subject. But I mean, speaking of subjects, you got into wildlife photography and videography. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like met you. And mm -hmm. so what even brought you to that going from corporate to being like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go do video, but... I want to get into wildlife photography, videography specifically. I mean, you do some yeah. other photography as well, but why wildlife? Wildlife is just a, well, number one, like people complain, wildlife doesn't complain. And so the difference is, is people pay money and wildlife doesn't pay. Yeah. Uh, and so you got to get the footage, you got to sell stock footage or work with big trade companies. But there's just a, a humbleness that comes with filming or photographing wildlife. The as I've progressed, there's just something that reminds you. For example, I was filming a brown bear, and this brown bear had moved in close, and we were in Katmai. And the rule there is if the animal approaches you, it's fine, but do not approach the animal. Hmm. And so this brown bear had brought it was a sow, and she had brought her two cubs, and she ended up 20 feet from us. And she spent eight hours with us. And these brown bears can get 800 to 1,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. They're well-fed. They eat salmon a lot. Um, they're not having to scavenge like a grizzly bear would. And there's just something absolutely humbling about sitting across from an 800-pound predator that reminds you how insignificant you are in the world that then reminds you how significant everything is to your life, right? And between that and the quiet and it's just nice to be out there, but it is hard to make it in wildlife photography, which is why I have to do the commercial stuff. And that's, that's primarily how we pay our bills is through commercial photography and video. But if I could do wildlife every single day, I would, we were up yesterday trying to film some Rams and we found probably 60 of them through the course of the day. Mm. And you get home and you just feel I don't know. There's just something about connecting with the wild that um, maybe it's instinctual being that that's kind of how we felt back in the day and we had to live off the earth and maybe it's just that connection. I'm not sure, but I just love being outdoors and with the wild. I ended up getting into video and photos through birds, funny enough. Oh, really? And the, mm. yeah, well, cause living in the city, we don't have, yeah. we don't have much here in Littleton and, um, or Denver. And so you, you look for all these subjects and you have this big lens and you got your camera and you're like, I'm going to take pictures of all these things. And you go to the, the big places, right. That everyone knows about. You go to Rocky mountain national park. You, you go to the animal sanctuaries and do that. And you figure out that the sanctuaries are cool to take a picture of, but you're not going to get anything that's award-winning. Yeah. And then you start focusing, well, there's a little bird in my backyard. And so then it turns from a little Brown bird into a, little brown bird with yellow highlights and then it turns into well oh that's maybe a yellow warbler or maybe it's a goldfinch and then it turns into well that's an american goldfinch but it's a non-breeding male and it's in its winter plumage <laughs> and so it's just it's contagious yeah. for some people and that, that's how i got into it i loved photographing cars but cars again we're in colorado it only uses six to seven months out here and so they're what else are you going to photograph? And birds, 
and so that's what got me into it yeah birds are really cool though like the more you get into it and and the more Mm -hmm. you learn about it and their structure and their capabilities it's just it's super oh yeah yeah and noises they make like a raven can emulate most noises um grackles make some weird noises Mm -hmm. so it's just cool to hang out with them yeah i mean do you have a favorite bird i love owls so any owl is just a big win for me. We found, well, I said we, but I found eight long-eared owls last winter. We got to spend, I don't know, three days with them. And then we just kind of, owls are kind of boring during the day. They scratch, they preen, they sleep. <laughs> and so <laughs> you can only do so much yeah. with that footage. <laughs> so unless someone pushes them and we, we don't push anything and we don't bait, so... Yeah, it's pretty boring from us. But we did. Um, we went up to Alaska in March to film eagles, and we got on a great uh, gray owl, which is a huge owl. And we don't have them here in Denver unless there's something wrong with the bird and it flies the wrong way. And so that was really cool to see a great gray owl. And I can send you an image that you can pop up here for everyone to see. Yeah, I'd love that. So, and I'd love yeah. to figure out how to do that. But yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll figure, I'll it figure it out. You got it. You got this. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I roll. I'm like, I don't know what I'm right. doing, but yeah, fuck it. That's that's <laughs> how, how I do goes. things. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, so okay. So you so you both end up just filming in like Colorado and Alaska. Are you ever going mm-hmm. to other states or even other countries to go and and film or photograph animals? Um, me particularly, I don't leave the country yet. We have some discussions in getting out of the country. There's just so much here in like the U S and Canada and even Mexico, mm-hmm. we go to a lot of different States. Um, I was just down in Texas, uh, down by South Padre and they actually have one of the largest trails just cause Texas is huge, but it's a big birding trail and it follows the entire Island, but they have a big refuge down there and it's, um, part of the birding trail. It's the South Padre birding has something to do with alligators on the last part, but mm. they rescue alligators that can't be rehomed essentially. And then they educate the masses, but then they also have this giant boardwalk of birds. And so I got to check a bunch of birds off. They had um, like rosette spoonbills and great blue herons and some cool stuff. So yeah, we were just down there doing that. And then um, New Mexico for the cranes, we do Alaska, there's Oregon, Washington, uh, Utah. Utah has some great wild horses if you can find them. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. What about yeah. Wyoming? Gonna... Yeah. We try to stay out of the big national parks. Oh. It just, it's too much for us mm-hmm. because the problem that we have is as soon as you pull out a big camera, we're not using like little mirrorless setups. We do have those and we use them, but for the most part, we're shooting on reds or an fx6 or something large and as soon as we pull that out we can see this lens right back here as soon as you pull something out Mm -hmm. like that it is a traffic jam and you could be photographing a flower and as soon as you pull that out people just start slamming on the brakes like there's a grizzly bear and so you gotta be a little (laughs) thoughtful in your your placement of those (laughs) there's a bear it's like no it's just a pretty flower (laughs) Right. And that's happened before. (laughs) Right. Right. Or the water just, yeah. yeah. 
but we do there's antelope in wyoming that are really cool to film they're pretty they're most of the areas are hunted so they're pretty skittish um so you have to sit in a blind you got to creep up and to an area where you kind of predict where they're going to be there's a ton of birds again um you have the grouse and uh, greater prairie chickens that you want to do if you want to see that if you go find a lek but so many of these leks are being shut down that it's just people right they build and next thing you know the the habitat's gone and so those birds are gone for a while or forever so yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah wyoming's wyoming's a good one um the east coast is somewhere we're we're probably going to focus on here in a few years just because there's a ton of birds out there number one mm-hmm. but then you got stuff like louisiana and florida that have swampland yeah and then you get into the gators and the snakes and all that good stuff yeah get ready for the biting flies that are down mm, in florida yeah. oh my gosh i went down there and i was just kind of doing my little version of <laughs> wildlife photography yeah. these flies just kept attacking me and i was just getting so pissed off I was like taking off my bags and just swatting at them like crazy yep. Uh, I mean, but y'all probably have to deal with that kind of stuff all the time, depending on where it is that you're going. So for anybody who's unfamiliar with wildlife photography or videography, like what do you actually have to pack and and how do you optimize the kind of gear that you take even when you're traveling? Because again, the gear is not light. There's a lot of different aspects of instruments and and clothing and all this stuff that you have to pack so how how are y'all optimizing all that when you go on shoots yeah we try to pack it into one backpack when you fly that doesn't work out well so well just because the backpacks that we carry these cameras in like i carry an f-stop shin it's a 70 liter backpack you can't bring that on the plane and so what you end up doing is breaking down these cameras and You've got to put them together at location and then we'll just throw them on the tripod and then we'll carry them on the tripod most of the time to the location that we're hiking into. There are some areas where we can go pretty slim and just bring a monitor or a camera, the lens. Um, it depends on which camera we're shooting. You need to bring neutral density filters for those that aren't familiar with that. When you get into video, you lose your triangle of exposure and so you don't get to, to change your, your shutter speed. And so the way you end up cutting light, once you get your aperture dialed in for your depth of field, you use neutral density. And so you got to pack your neutral density filters. You can do that through a map box that sits on the end of it, or you can do a variable. Um, We don't use a lot of variable filters just because the, if you buy a cheap one or something happens to it, you'll get an X pattern that runs through the, the footage. And on 8K footage, you really notice that. Mm. And it's just, we, we try not to do that. Um, we do. Sometimes you just got to deal with what it, if you can't carry it in, you can't do that. And then you got to bring all your other stuff like water and food. And so most of the time our packs are anywhere between 40 and 60 pounds, depending on what we have in it. Um, and you just hump, you just carry the pack as far as you can and you hope you get something. But most of the time we know, the area that we're getting into and what's there and what we're looking for. And we have good intel on it. Um, I mean, sometimes you go out for like waterfowl and you just hope, um, they're very skittish most of the time. And so you have to sit in a blind. Um, I sat outside one time waiting for one duck and it was minus 20 
and I just laid on the ground in like a blind cover that you can get for like the ground cover. And we, it was two hours, I think, of just lying there still. And I got it. Um, but it was sometimes it's just all about patience with wildlife. That's a big thing. Patience and perseverance. If you're out there enough and you have the patience, you're going to get whatever you need. But yeah, we, um, if you go into like Alaska, you're going to carry a flare bear spray. So that's something that you're going to carry on your chest. Uh, we don't carry any firearms. There's no need for that. Um, I guess there's probably some debate for that for individuals, but, and then, uh, all the other things, headlamps in case you're out there right now, it gets dark early. So four 30, we walked out in the dark yesterday. Um, when you were looking for those sheep, I'm trying to think of all the other little things. Yeah, we mostly do it through backpacks. If we are traveling into a place where we know baggage isn't an issue, like Alaska has baggage issues if you're coming in on a plane, just because they're going to say you got 50 pounds or 70 pounds or whatever it is in the back of that plane, better be able to get it in there. Um, if there's not that, like if we're going to Florida and we have a hotel room and a car, we'll throw it in a Pelican case and just pick what we want for the day. If we're doing wides or tights or b-roll or whatever it is we'll just design for the day and sometimes you don't need those big cameras if you're doing slider work right so it it's um it depends on the moment which is it depends is going to be a slogan for questions maybe (laughs) i mean it just sounds like hunting as well like yeah I, I, I've hunted before like years ago and it's the same thing. You're literally just walking mm-hmm. out and you're just kind of hoping for the best and you just have to sit and wait. Like you're saying in photography, it's like the same thing. Only like your shot is kind of different than mm-hmm. the hunter shot. So yep. yeah, patience is definitely a virtue in that game, but it is yeah. really nice because it allows you to be open to your environment, it feels like. So do you feel like it's allowed you to really ground yourself and connect to yourself more than how you were when you were working corporate, for example? Yeah, definitely. The The way I describe corporate work is I felt like a cage lion. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's a little bit of like, me comparing myself to a lion, like, let's laugh at that first. But the, that's the feeling you get sometimes when you're doing something that you maybe don't necessarily love. And I had a great job. Um, the last 10 years, I made good money. It was, I mean, everything that someone thinks they want for the most I mean, you go to college thinking that's what you want. Right. Um, but they, it was always just something that was missing and I couldn't put my foot on it. And you just become a little unhappy with the world and you don't know why. And maybe it's just life passes you by a little bit. And I mean, you come out of, I made the comment earlier, I'm just going to put the world in my pocket. Right. And most of us don't do that. And so there is that kind of harsh reality of like, Hey, you, you aren't doing this. And they, the world kind of puts you in your place. And so there's a little bit of resentment, I think, that falls through that. But once once I found, once I moved full-time into freelancing, it was amazing. I had all the risk in the world. Um, paycheck was what you made of it. Uh, it. Started, we moved on to my wife's insurance because she had gone back to jo- a job and she was a stay-at-home before this. So we kind of flip-flopped. 
And it should have been like the most scary anxiety inducing time, but it was, it's been fun and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, I think being out outdoors is just something that grounds you. And the only thing I'd say is if I could have both where, and I, we do that now I work in the office. Right. And then I get to go out you can never have it the best way. Right. And so like right now I'm thinking, Oh, I need to be out in the field and I need to be doing more of that. But then if you're not in here editing videos for clients, you're not making money. Mm -hmm. So I think a little bit of uh, self-reflection and temperament of like, what do you actually need to be doing? What do you want to be doing? And really focusing on those goals has really helped me at least. And so do you think that the transition from corporate to freelancing was easier because of your partner? Or do you think that if your partner wasn't there, it still would have been a pretty easy transition? Um, I think I had the benefit. So corporate work, I worked um, being the head of investor relations. I dealt with Wall Street most times we were in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Toronto. I mean, we were in major hubs talking to big funds. It was a $5 billion company that we ended up growing. So it, I had a different perspective than most people on just the world. Um, I saw a different world than most people. I mean, you get to watch movies about it, right? Like the big short. And I think that kind of dissuaded me from pursuing that further and moving into like a VP role of finance or something. And I just didn't want it. I wanted to just do my job and be able to go home. I think when I met Michael, he's good about telling you, well, that might be a good idea, but think about it. And so he never really told me like, do this. I had to figure everything out. The best thing that I would say about having someone like that is he's critical. Like when I would show him something, he'd be like, no, that sucks. Mm -hmm. He was just like, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what you need to hear. It hurts, yeah. but it's like, yeah. And so I think if it doesn't need to be like a business partner, it doesn't need to be anyone. You just need to find someone that's critical of your work in the beginning where you can grow quickly. Cause if you don't have that, then you're learning the hard way through like, client interactions of clients being like, mm, this isn't really what we wanted or mm. whatever. And sometimes you can close that gap through communication and communication is huge with clients. If you do pre-calls and pre-production, the problem with that is you're cutting into your margin, right? Cause that's more time. And it, that means on a per hour basis, you're being paid less. But in the beginning, I think communication is key for that. But back to the whole um, mentor kind of side of it, find someone that's critical and that's going to help you grow a ton. So I think I would have done it, but it would have been a heck of a lot longer. Even with him, I, it was six months before I made any revenue in the mm. commercial side. So it's a, a long horizon. And they say that most businesses are three years before they're in the green. I'll actually do a green year this year. So that's, that's not bad, but three years is a long time. And most, yeah small businesses fail. That's the other thing. So. Well, congratulations for the green. 
Exciting. Thanks. Hopefully it continues next year. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. if you continue, who knows, like your clients may refer you to other, other right. folks and, you know, hopefully just keep that ball rolling. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so do you think that Michael influenced uh, your interest in wildlife photography or was that something that you were interested in prior to meeting him? Oh, that was something I was heavy for before we would spend September in Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, photographing elk. Um, he kind of reinforced the, the one thing that he did is he reinforced my want to move into video. I was on the photo side for 10 years and photos are fun to take. They're, they're easier to take uh, a good photo than a good clip, but I'd want to, I'd wanted to get into video, right? Because everyone wants to be a YouTuber. You want to Instagram Reels was coming up, all this stuff, right? And it was all video, video, video. Mm -hmm. Our iPhones could take decent video all of a sudden. GoPros were at 4K and then they're 5K. And so everything was leading towards video. He kind of reinforced that, yeah, video is is the way to go. You can still learn through photography, but video is like where you're going to make money. Mm -hmm. Um now I'll say that three quarters of my business this year was photography. So you can still make money in photography yeah. for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, he not so much on the wildlife, um, but a lot on the video side, the wildlife is, I mean, here in Colorado, we're lucky enough. Sorry. My microphone keeps falling. <laughs> That's okay. My, my cat is randomly peeking in and she keeps like <laughs> pawing at my leg. Like, you gonna feed yeah. me or what? Hello. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> too <funny>. early. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so yeah, wildlife was something that I had done a long time before that. Growing up in the mountains, you see a lot elk and deer and uh mountain lions. So Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's such like a, a transition to from going, you know, being in corporate, you're like surrounded by people and again in the city <laughs> and just inundated yep. with so much noise and action to now going into wildlife where it's like peaceful and, and there's a different type of noise. I want to say, I mean, it's, I, I, I kind of resonate with that as well as like, I, I grew up on an Island and it was you know yeah. just outdoor all the time and just being around so much plants and different types of mm -hmm. animals. And it, it is very soothing and more freeing. I find, um, so within this journey in, in videography and well, and I guess in your photography, but would you say that your work has changed or has been influenced by the kind of clients that you've been working with? Oh, definitely. I mean, we've done yes and no. I mean, I learn from my clients work mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, which then leads you to try different things on your personal side. Um, I love motorsports on the other side. So it's like motorsports and wildlife. And so I had a big year last year that we were photographing a lot of motorsports and it led me to try different things. Like you're taught certain rules of, Oh, well don't try to, to use high shutter speeds with cars, for example, or different things like that. And so you find yourself just trying to branch out and make it something different. I think with the clients, you don't want to try anything with the client's work, right? Unless they are wanting something different. But for the most part, you're just, hey, I want a shot of a mover taking a sofa from the house to the moving truck or something, right? 
and that's a pretty standard easy shot but it, while you're sitting there doing that there's often times where you're thinking well could i do this or if i moved over here if i shot it a different way and i think that's where it really benefits and there's times where i'll again be editing what i shot for the client and i'll be thinking well why didn't i do this and so then next time i'm out in the field i'm like oh well why don't we try and grab this as well and so it's it's more of a learning environment than influencing the way i because i haven't changed my color grading techniques or um, any of my editing on the photo side from client work uh, and anymore i mean you just give away that work for the most part you're you can't use most of it for big clients. They just want it and they pay for the license. Oh, okay. Yep. And so how did you how do you build a portfolio for clients that are outside of what you're typically used to shooting? Yeah. So I built um being wildlife and motorsports, I didn't have a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I found a local studio. And it was uh, $75 for an hour, or you could buy the whole, or you could rent the whole studio for 400 bucks mm-hmm. for a day. So I rented the studio for a day and I just ran friends and family and friends of friends through there for the entire day. And it was crazy. It was like 20,000 photos in a day. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I had images after that that were people and there was kids and there was grandmas and grandpas and parents and there were some headshots that came through. And so it really like started me off. And so then I would start doing that everywhere else. So like if someone was unemployed, I'd say like, Hey, if you're getting back into the workforce, can we do a photo for you? Right. And so that would get my headshots going. Then we would do family photos. And so I'd exchange my photos for another photographer's family photos and so we kind of flipped those and so it's just a figuring out that i needed to have where my gap was and that i needed to have those and just figure out a way to do it so right now my big um, gap is fitness i don't have a ton of fitness stuff and so i've been trying to push to find yoga um i guess yogis i guess is what they call themselves right so find some yogis uh find some weightlifters crossfitters love to do all that stuff so they'll show off for you any day (laughs) and so that's my big push here recently i just haven't had enough time to find a gym to find the b-roll it gets a little harder with Mm. video because you need the light and then you bring studio lights and so you you really cause an issue for an active gym so it's it's just finding the right spot yeah well if you're ever in texas or ever go up to colorado happy to do some some yoga poses and stuff with you yeah so so (laughs) that's what it's about you just find yeah you just find someone that does it and they get some portfolio work and (laughs) yeah yeah i gotta build out my uh portfolio with with some things so happy to exchange time for prince (laughs) there you go exactly (laughs) exactly oh and so i mean when you're going into a field like this what kind of, I mean, do you set yourself up for different goals or do you have like different visions of what you want to do with this? Um, because initially starting in, you you go in and, and you're doing YouTube and you're getting into more social media and you're doing more corporate work, but like, do you kind of just keep yourself open to those kinds of things or do you have like certain goals that you build up for? This year has been a big 
goal. So I wanted to make $40,000 this year. That was my big push. I wanted to clear 40,000. That would theoretically fix everything on the, the business side so that you could run, cover your expenses and then have money for the family. And I'm lucky that I have a wife that works and like we can split everything. So I am lucky in that regard, but we, I wanted to have so many jobs done by certain months in April, I had done two jobs for the entire year. And so it was not looking good. And then June hit, it was the end of June and I was in, um, where was I? Oh, I was in Endicott, New York filming, or I was photographing for the PGA champions tour out there. And I got a call and all of a sudden it just like opened the floodgates and we had, I don't know, there's 12 jobs that next month. And so it just started going. And so we, I keep saying we, I, it's just me and with the company. <laughs> Sorry. It's an old, so yeah. in corporate world, you learn all these things. Yeah, like, like we are a team. Say we, yeah. exactly. So it's a bad habit of corporate. And so I just worked on that for the next, I don't know, like I just finished up the last project here uh, last week and it was just go, go, go. So I missed the rut on the elk side. I missed the rut for the whitetail. I missed the rut for the the mule deer out here. Um, I think we're going to be late for the bighorn. Bighorn are usually right here in December and they were already, at, they were sitting there eating. So that's telling me they're done with the rut. So we missed it all. Um, but that's okay. Cause I was making money and that was the whole point of this year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and then my other goal was to just move everything into a actual corporation. So got the LLC formed, got the EIN. So dealing with the taxes, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> but you have an accounting background. Shouldn't that help? Right. Yeah. <laughs> accounting and taxes is like way different. Well, yeah. Like I didn't finish, I finished, so I went through high school and I went to college and I got halfway through, but I, I had like a decent job at that point. And I was like, well, this is like 20 year old thinking, right? Um, I was like, well, I have a good job. I don't need to go to school to find like what I need to do in life and then to go get another job. So why do I do this? And like all of the times that I had midterms or finals were falling on these deadlines and I kept having to make them up. I was like, I'm just not doing this. And so I never finished college. And so I ended up working my way up to the top of a $5 billion company with no college degree. Mm. So you can still do it. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can still do it out there. <laughs> yeah. No, that that is interesting. I mean, those are the kind of stories that are few and far between, right? It's just like, yeah, you're you're sticking with that company, though, for a while to to get up there. I mean, and you've probably seen the company grow um, tremendously over that time, but were there any points within, I believe you said 10 years that you were just like, you know what, I think I'm going to quit this job and find something else. Or were you like, no, I'm going to just stick with it and see how it goes. Oh no, there was so many times where I was going to quit, but I mean, the big one is we went bankrupt. So there's technically it was a different company that I worked for after COVID, but so in 2020, the company went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And a bond came due in the middle of, it was April of that year and they couldn't cover it. They didn't have the cash. And so debtors called the debt and company went bye-bye. And so they brought in this new CEO and there was a moment where I was like, well, there's no way me and the team are making it through this. And 
he said, Hey, I want you on the team and let's do this. And so we built the company back up and I think we came out at like a billion dollars in market cap and we grew that all the way up to 5 billion. Um, oil prices bounced around a lot. I mean, we had an election in there and it was a, I mean, elections are just disasters for wall street anyway, just cause it's so much volatility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there was several times that we'd have big projects. We used to write annual reports, which are these paper documents for shareholders. And it's just telling the year in review essentially. Right. And I remember one year we finished this one and we had done three covers and the CEO grabbed it and just hucked it at me from across the room. And he's like, this is terrible. And it was like the day before the deadline to print. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? And so it was just like the end, like how, how do you fix that? And so we ended up going with it and printing it and he just hated it. But, um, there's definitely those moments where you're just like, it's 11 PM at night and you're like, I don't want to do this. But what's funny is there's times like as a freelancer where you're sitting, I had a client that I was on an active taxiway and we were filming for, um, a product on an airplane and it was just miserable. It was like 120 degrees. There's bugs biting you. You're on the asphalt and you're just getting obliterated. My camera had come loose from one of the quick release mounts because I bought a cheap quick release mount and it loosened up over time. And so it fell off in the taxiway. But at the end of the day, it was still like I left that place smiling because it was fun and I got to control my own destiny. Like, if I don't make it, it's because of me now. It's not because of someone else. And so it kind of gets rid of that excuse of like, well, it's because of that person or, oh, it's because of John Doe. And um, I thrive in stuff like that, but it's definitely not for the weak. If if you can't be honest with yourself, I would say don't, don't work for yourself because it's like you got to be a harsh reality to yourself sometimes of like, hey, you're not making the money you are. Like you got to go pick up some some jobs and go do something you don't want to do like kid photography or like portraits or something. Right. And sometimes you do that, but so yeah, there's definitely times where I'm just ready to quit. I will say here recently, like editing videos, there's stages and you'll go through this with the podcast. There's <laughs> like the yeah. stages of the edit where it's like you film it, you're feeling good. You get it into the the program that you're going to use. We use DaVinci Resolve. Mm-hmm. And so you get it in there and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, like, where do I start? Oh, and yeah. so then you like, you find anything else to do. Like, I'm going to go make a croissant or something, right? <laughs> I'm going to learn how to create exactly. this. <laughs> I'm going to make an underwater basket. And so like, there's that stage. And yeah. then you have the anger stage of like having to think of it all. And at least for the podcast, it's very like beginning, middle and end. But yeah, there's it's usually about halfway through the editing. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I should just go get a regular job. So <laughs> that's why but, I'm doing this kind of part-time while I have a regular job, just in case it yeah. doesn't work out. It's like, Oh, let's yeah. just see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Podcasts are the future. Is, are they? I mean, Gary V was saying he wants to see a podcast. He wants to see more podcasts and not that Gary V knows what's like, so take that just if you have feelings about Gary V, whatever, <laughs> but I, I watch a lot of YouTube. And so Gary V was saying that he, he wants to see more podcast style content make its way into long form YouTube. So 
Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That whole, that's, that's one thing that I've heard. I mean, with social media platforms, there's always like that constant and instant gratification and it's all super short form content. And now there's apparently going to be this like little revolution where now we're going to extend into longer form content. And (laughs) obviously if you have longer form content, you can, like we discussed earlier, we can cut it down and make all the smaller pieces necessary, but you know, we can have multiple forms in that real way. (laughs) And that's kind of what I'm planning on doing anyway. So sharing it on the different platforms and sharing different pieces and trying to make it as accessible as possible for different people. Because I know not everybody's on like Spotify or Apple and, and I want all types of people to listen to all these different stories and to receive the inspiration from, you know, my speakers. So yeah, that's, that's really cool uh, to hear that, you know, provides a little more hope in, in what it is that I'm I'm doing here, but. Oh yeah, you got this. I mean, it's <laughs> the biggest thing that you're going to find is just consistency and like perseverance and that'll do most of the work for you. I mean, you're still going to have to record them and do all that stuff, but just being consistent on, I think is the big thing right now on social media. And I say social media, but like podcasting, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, a, a lot of the stuff that I listened, a lot of the ones that I enjoyed listening to, um, haven't been going for like a year now. And so they've just kind of stopped, unfortunately. And I mean, there's, there's so many podcasts out there. It's hard to find podcasts though. It's not like I have to ask you like, Hey, what's one of your favorite podcasts? Right. And then you have to tell me, it's not like I can just go to my podcast app and say like wildlife podcast, you'll get some, but you might miss some really good ones. Like, um, Casey Anderson, who is everyone knows him as grizzly guy. He's the guy that had that big bear. Um, he just started a new one, but he had an old one called sidetracked and people just didn't know about it, but it was a really good podcast about wildlife and tracking. He, I mean, he's been a tracker his entire life. And so it's very interesting to hear his perspective of animals. And he spends a lot of time with cougars or mountain lions and, um, his new one, wild tracks, he's, been bringing more, um, guests in. And so it's been interesting, but it's hard to find podcasts. I, I find. Yeah. That's so interesting. Do you think it's just because of the marketing aspects of it or just that it's not getting picked up by the algorithm? I think Apple's just bad at that, to be honest. Like I use the podcast app and they just aren't good at, like if you read a, a book in like Kindle or if you listen to it on Audible, right? You hit that rate and review immediately at the end of that book mm-hmm. and you can rate it, review it. But then it also says like, you may also like, and it's like yeah. based on your listening of X, here's some suggestions. And then if you don't like that, you can go to your home screen and you can say like, oh, well, what was that book I read? Like, I don't know, last month. And you can go to that rate and review. And next thing you know, it's like, here's another recommendation. With podcasts, it doesn't, do that so there's not hmm. and i think it's probably there's no money in it for them right like they're they they don't make anything from it um but i think that'll probably change i mean follow the money right everything will change if people are getting into podcasting there's going to be something that changes so and do you think that you would have gotten into podcasting had you not gotten into video or youtube Oh, Michael definitely drug me into podcasting <laughs> for sure. So, 
I would have just stuck with video and photos. Really? So do you not like podcasting yeah. at all? <laughs> um, I actually don't mind podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy talking to people face to face. So it's kind of a natural progression into podcasting. It's just, I don't know. It's the whole sitting here staring at yourself in a screen <laughs> that kind of, it's just anxiety inducing, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, and I understand what you mean. Like it is one thing to talk into a camera and be like, yeah, what's up? We're connected. But yeah, in person is so much more fulfilling, I find. And so eventually I'd like to upgrade my gear and get like uh, one of those Zoom Zoom recorders yeah. and lanyards so that I can go out and be out in the wild, so to speak, and then just record <laughs> wherever I am with whoever I am. And we don't have to go through yep. the entire scheduling thing. And it's like, I have it. So yep. I'm going to put that on a wish list if any uh, listeners That's a goal, right? <laughs> chip in for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Christmas is coming. Yeah, I know. Well, this this whole thing. <laughs> I guess you're going to be six. Or this is going to 24 thing, huh? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 They can still buy it for you, though. I know, right? It's just part of my yeah. exploration as a creator. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, but I mean, so for me personally, I see that there is an overlap with all of these different platforms. So for you, what do you think has been the most important skill that you learned in any mm. of these platforms that has really helped to step up your game in all of the other ones? Oh, gosh. Time management, and that is not the answer you're looking for. <laughs> but I wasn't looking for any answer, just whatever like one you provided. Yeah, time management has been my biggest. I have a little bit of a squirrel brain where it's like, oh, look, shiny object. And so <laughs> <laughs> learning to manage that, and that's what a corporate job does, right? Yeah. It, it reels that in. But I guess, let's see. Since I've been freelancing, what has been the biggest thing? I think the maybe with clients is actually listening to what they say instead of listening and having an answer all the time because there's such a want to be that expert for people, right? Where if you ask, if you come to me and you're like, hey, Brandon, we're going to film this brand highlight video. We have a day to shoot it and we need a minute roll or something like that, right? Then... I feel that I need to be the expert in doing that. But sometimes there's things where you just don't know and it's okay. And this is what I've learned. It's okay to not understand what you're doing sometimes. And maybe it just needs more discussion around it. Or maybe it's just a subject that needs to be flushed out more. Or maybe they don't know either and they're just looking for insight. And that's been a big thing that I've had to just back off. Like, okay, like actually listen to what they're saying. Think about it. Can you answer this? Do you actually know the answer to it? Because it's gotten me in trouble once or twice with being like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And then mm. it being much, much larger than what I expected. So, yeah. Yeah. Under promise and over deliver. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's hard to do that in the, the video world now just because everyone has a video camera in their pocket, right? And so there's an expectation that an expert or a professional should be able to do something that an iPhone can't. And honestly, iPhones take pretty good video anymore. So it's it's more just about storytelling and composition. And storytelling is huge um, 
and that was an early insight into photography and then carried through in a video. If you can tell a story through one image, you've done a fantastic job. If you can tell a story through a short video, same thing. If you can put your viewer and stop them for a minute in today's world, right? Because we're all, I mean, 15 seconds. But if you can make them stop and watch something and have it impact them where they think about something or later that night they're cooking and they're thinking about something, that's huge. And if you have that, then, I mean, you need to leverage that or you could leverage it, I guess. You don't have to. Yeah. And so that's that's a really interesting idea because, you know, I go into YouTube and I... I'm a nerd. Whenever I'm on YouTube, it's always to learn something new. Um, right. So I'm always watching some type of educational thing. And, you know, I'll watch these different videos. And I notice that different YouTubers, they just tend to mimic each other and the style. And they try to be super cinematic and this and that. And it's like, okay, that's really great. And yeah, those effects are cool. But then again, like, I see this happening with all these other videos. So for me, and this could just be me again, but I get like bored of it. And I'm like, okay, this is like the same as the other thing. You guys have the lighting in the back and blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing. So how, maybe from your perspective, how do you see it maybe affecting the storytelling? Like the visuals are almost distracting from the storytelling. And where do you think the visuals and videography is going to go from there, considering where we are now? Um, it's hard to say where it goes. I think YouTube has never been more boring, to be honest. Um, and I hate to say that there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube, but I think the mainstream content that we're all fed. So the same video that you see that I see on my, you may like is pretty boring unless you care about the new Canon Acme lens or whatever it is. And it's just, like you said, it's the same thing regurgitated a hundred different ways from a hundred different people. That's pretty boring. I mean, it may look better on one. I mean, there's some people that film absolutely insane yeah. reviews or tutorials or whatever it is. I think what we're going to see, like YouTube's not going away, right? It's the second largest search engine behind Google. And so if someone needs to learn how to do something, they may plug it into Google, but if they need to, I need to learn how to change oil on a, 1967 Camaro or something, they're going to go to YouTube. And ultimately that's pretty powerful. That's going to lead to growth. I think in the future, I just don't know where I would like to see longer form content come back. And I think we will as people continue to cut cables and we see people migrating like some of our biggest demographics are people 64 and older on truth and legend mm -hmm. which is incredible that a 64 year old person is getting on youtube to watch something and then they watch 20 minutes of it right so that's that's saying something that they're not watching i don't know nine news or whatever it is at that same time and i think that'll continue i think we'll probably start seeing more series led long form videos because there's this, um, you mentioned it earlier, there's that YouTube new age that's coming out that they're trying to do like more thoughtful, curated, uh, long form formats. And I would like to see that come back. I just don't know if people's attention span, we're so conditioned right now 
to just flick through everything. And shorts is huge. I mean, YouTube is all in on shorts right now. And I have a feeling that's probably not going away. I think we'll see a move into 360 footage becoming a little more accessible and usable. Right now you got to put you record it right on a 360 device. Then you throw it into whatever the DJI or GoPro app, you key, key mark it all, and then you export it into an app. I think at some point in time, we're just going to have it come right through and it'll be more of a, um, there's a movement going on right now and I cannot think of it. I've been sitting here trying to think of it, but it's where you're actually in the space where they record like my entire office. And then the users can interact with that and look at how I'm sitting here at a different view, oh, like the immersive, which is really, yeah. Yep. And so it's all mm. through the Oculus and those 3d things. And we're starting to see like the Apple glasses are coming out. Oh, right. Like, you so mean I think, like VR? Yeah. It's going to be more like a, where I'm going to have something on me and I can actually yeah. interact well, visually interact with these spaces. I don't know. I don't know how well. I mean, that's going to be really cool in wildlife, right? Mm -hmm. I just don't know how, on the wildlife side, I don't know how we do it because you need so many different views to build all of that with the AI models. But that's good for me. It's good for Mm -hmm. the group because we get to go back out there. But right now on the the video side people are trying to move everything into like a stock site so that they don't have to pay um we're seeing this on corporate sides we're seeing on natural history everyone's trying to move into this big library of work that they have so that they don't have to people pay people to go out every month to make a new blue chip film or something Mm -hmm. so it's good and bad um it's good because wildlife is going to change and the scenery is going to change. The seasons still change. I mean, the the salmon ran two weeks later in Alaska this year, so it's a different world, different foliage, and it's all good. Yeah, different perspectives. Yep. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I have a 360, like, little camera as well, and I've used it to go diving with and just, like, yeah. doing random shenanigans, and I – trying to edit it, is overwhelming because I'm like, there's so much to look at. Like, what do I focus on? When do I transition yep. here? Like, what is, it's a lot. <laughs> yep. So if you're, yeah. whenever you decide to like dive into that, you know, I'm happy to get on a call and be like, well, this is what I've picked up so far or, yep. you know, vice versa, because yeah. that's a whole other beast I find. Oh, 360 is a, it's a monster. Yeah. And like I have, that like a one RS right here and we use it for drift cars, but I find that the footage just isn't up to snuff with what I want. And so I end up not using it most of the time, unfortunately. Yeah. So I know. And the one that I have, it's the Insta 360 X2 and diving. I put like the dive case on, but it it caught the Mm -hmm. seam. And so half the time it's like you see a line and then it's like half of the video is cut off. And I'm like, oh, well, that's how frustrating it is. So it's just like, yeah, there's still a lot of quirks that need to be worked out. But again, I don't know if the newer models fix that. So I guess that's something else that you'll have to see. But well, that's the thing that I just we just don't play that game for the most part. We we're not buying the newest model that comes out every time. And so there's no 
we're not in the YouTube review world in that regard where it's just, I couldn't tell you what the new lens does or anything. We just use old stuff. So let me open up this box for you. Right. Right. We, we do have one of those that we're going to try, but to be fair, it was a giant like red V Raptor camera. So it's like a, it costs like a small car and so we did try We haven't even put it out yet though. So it's in edit right now. So we might, we might have some open box videos out there. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's something like you never really see though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, Hey, here's because I've, Amazon package of a pair of underwear right. I just ordered. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no, but that's, that is really cool that you get to work with, you know, different types of gear, but to your point, like, when you're transitioning into something new and you're you decide to become a freelancer how much <laughs> how much would you say you should invest in whatever it is that you're getting into like are you going to tell people hey just go with like you know the minimum amount of stuff so you can just learn the processes first and get whatever you need done and out of the way and then later you upgrade to gear uh, better gear or do you go in and maybe invest in the intermediate or the high quality gear right away just to get that investment done and out of the way. Hmm. I would say if you're, it depends on where you are on actually becoming a freelancer. So if you're still got a job and it pays well, I mean, you can go do whatever you want, right? Cause it's, you've covered your bills, I hope, and you've done everything that you need to, to kind of handle your life. And so that money is going to, it's discretionary. So, yeah, I mean, for all, I would suggest, I mean, go buy whatever you want. If you want to go buy prosumer cameras, do it. The better you know your gear, though, the better it's going to make you in the field. And you, that can be, I mean, we use GoPros for, I mean, we have an entire four months that we filmed just through GoPros because we were trying to use GoPros as camera traps to film these animals because we wanted a close animal interaction. And it's, I mean, gear matters. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you gear doesn't matter. Gear matters a hundred percent. It just, what does it matter for? Right? So if you're just filming for yourself or for Instagram reels, do you need a cinema camera? Do you need uh, FX six with internal NDs or whatever it is, do you actually need it? And I think if you can answer that question definitively, yes, then yeah, you probably should invest in that or start saving towards it. As a rule that I made for myself when I started this is that I was always going to make the maximum allotment as a percentage to myself being 15% for my retirement. I was going to save 30%. And then I was just going to invest the rest back into the business. And that's not, I mean, that's, there's no right formula. I don't think I'm sure there's some guys out there that would tell you a formula that has worked for them, but that's just what has worked for me. Um, oh, and then obviously taxes, like put your money away for taxes. You don't want to owe the IRS anything, but I think you'll know when it's time to upgrade I had a lot of stuff that I thought was really good coming out of the corporate world and it was top of the line stuff and it just don't need it. Um, my favorite camera is my a seven four 
and it's just like the base Sony full frame uh, camera. And it's just because it's a really good hybrid. It takes really good photos, but it can also do video. And so when I'm working on clients, I don't have to carry two cameras. Or if I do carry two cameras, one can be a designated like long lens or something. Whereas the a7 IV I can use for both photos if someone's doing um, like stage work at events. And then if I need to switch over and just grab a video, like a wide shot, I can do that with a7 IV and it's done. Whereas like uh, the other one we care or we the other one I carry is an A1 and it's great, but do you need AK footage? Japan is the only place that they can play AK if footage they, right where now. Where are they playing AK? Because YouTube doesn't have that yet. No. Yeah. No. Like there's not even a TV. Well, there's probably a TV you can buy. It's just a lot. Like there's just nothing that you can you can't even stream AK right now. So the in most worlds, you don't need that. Now, I'll say from a natural history perspective, the the more resolution that you can get, the more longevity you're going to have for that clip, right? So if we can record in 8K, at least we get that many more years of usability from that clip that we can see that bear or that fish or whatever it is versus having it in 4K. And then as soon as the 6K TV comes out, we're kind of hosed. So that is why we do think about it from that perspective on the wildlife front. But like client work, I deliver most of the stuff in 1080 still because they post it on YouTube and they just, they don't care. So do you really need that 6K black magic camera? Probably not for what you're doing. If you, you'll know when you do because your, your workflow is going to be hampered by time or there's some efficiency and you're like, this could be so much better like with NDs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't have to carry all the NDs if I had a camera that had an internal ND system. And you'll know that one day. Um, your computers are going to be another thing, right? So if you start heavily editing 4K footage with like multiple cameras, all of a sudden maybe you don't need that MacBook Air anymore and you need a, a MacBook Pro or a studio even if you're doing that. So you'll know, I, would, I think, if you're serious about it, you'll know. But in the beginning, just use what you got. And learn to tell a story. That's the big thing. If you can tell a story, you can do it with any camera. I mean, that, so you, and it's all over YouTube, so I'm sure everyone's seen it, but that creator movie was all filmed with an FX3. Oh, I don't know what the creator movie is. I have to look it up. So it's, it's called The Creator, and it's a sci-fi. I haven't watched it yet, but it's about robots and artificial intelligence and something to do like the robots and the humans are in a war or something like that. Anyway, it's a big like Hollywood feature film and it's all filmed on the FX three, which is a $3,500 Sony camera. Now I'm sure there's like cranes and all kinds of crazy stuff that they use behind that, but it's all about a story is the point of that. So. That's really cool. I'll ha- yeah, I'll have to check that out. I mean, it's the way of the future, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. One well, AI is, yeah, I don't I know. know. <laughs> I, de- I delivered a project, speaking of AI, and this is going to be a tangent. Mm-hmm. I delivered a project this year, 100% narrated by AI. Oh. And so. what was the, the feedback on it? Well, so I, they were a tech company, so I wanted and I have a good relationship with them. So the first draft I sent over was with this AI narration and they're like, Oh, this sounds great. And I was like, okay, so you're okay with it. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, it's AI. And they're like, 
oh, this is so cool. And so then all of a sudden they were vested and they're like, okay, let's do more. And so they had no problems with it at all. There's some weird things where we would usually pay a voice actor for, I don't know, four hours of time or whatever time it takes them to, to orate it all and then cut it up and get it all timed out. I probably spent double that on the editing side just because it took so long for me to fix a lot of the issues that we wouldn't have with a person. Me being like, they would say the words differently every time. Because you, what you do is you put it in this app and you do it line by line. It was called Play HT is what we used. And you, you use kind of line by line and every time they'd say something differently. And so you had to figure out a way to to fake the AI into getting what you'd want. So maybe you had to add an extra O on something that you shouldn't have it or a hard E at the end or something. And it took a long time um, just to get it correct. Yeah. But it's still cool. No, that is. I mean, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to incorporate more is realizing like, hey, we have this technology. We can simplify a number of different processes. We don't have to we don't have to let it take over our, our creativity and and things right. like that in our art. But you know, for little basic things or administrative things, like why not use it? You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah I I don't, I mean, there may be some spots like chat GPT scared a lot of people. And I know there's the, the writer block and everything and they had the strikes, but ultimately I don't think most people are going to integrate it. Like you're not going to replace someone taking pictures at a birthday yeah. or something, right? Like AI is not going to do that. Um, I did see that headshots are there's a, now an AI system that you upload your face into it and then it redoes everything through AI and gives you like a new headshot, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Terrible for headshot photographers. Yeah, definitely. But. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it's really interesting to see. I was actually at an airport uh, like bar one day and I was just getting food mm -hmm. and I overheard a guy saying, yeah, so my buddy, he used AI to write his wedding vows. <laughs> I was like, that's oh, terrible. No. I would be so mad. I'd be like, I'm not even marrying you. You couldn't take like, right. the effort to write your vows. It's funny. Like, yeah, but it's just interesting to hear all the different ways that people are starting to incorporate it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, from like a creative perspective. It's like, wow, is this going to make people lazier? in getting in touch with themselves and with their own like creative voice like how much is art and creativity going to change because we're relying on technology to do that so yeah. i think we're i mean we're pretty disconnected right now i think i mean writing has never been lower right how many people do you know that actually write anymore like even if it's in a diary oh, I right <laughs> Right. Okay. One. <laughs> just, just me me and like maybe a handful of other people i know <laughs> yeah it's just not many people anymore yeah. and like everyone wants to be a photographer but it's more just like they want a cool picture from vacation or different thing and there's nothing wrong with that like go take pictures but actual like creative like differentiated work i'm not doing it i'm just kind of 
doing what works and continuing that along. So I don't know. I don't think it's, we're, we're not in a great creative period right now. Like you're not seeing works of art come out of this generation right now. Yeah. I mean, NFTs maybe, but I, I don't know. It is, it is really interesting getting into uh, the social media world and just myself just trying to get into the creativity and expand out on like, oh, okay, how can I do this and how can I mix this and incorporate sound and what am I really feeling as far as music is concerned in this picture or video? And mm-hmm. like I, I post that on there and I'm like, man, these are so different than what most people are doing or wanting to see or what the algorithm is trying to incorporate. So it's almost like how many of the original creators voices are also going to get muted by, you know, these, these like basic expectations, you know, of like, you have to have it this way. Otherwise we're not, we're not even going to acknowledge you um, and accept you. But I mean, what's your perspective been on that? I mean, you've already well, kind of stayed, stated we're at a low. Yeah, like the problem that most creatives run into is that um, sometimes art isn't for the majority, right? We do it for ourselves most of the time to begin with, and then we want to share that with the world. Where I think sharing it on social media gets to be a detriment for creatives is that when you share that, most of the time you can replace algorithm with audience, right? So if the majority audience doesn't like, it's not that they don't like it. It's just that it doesn't interest them. Right. And so if it doesn't interest them, they don't spend time around it. And if they don't spend time on it, the business that is also known as a social media company neglects that and they push it and get rid of that, which then gives a negative confirmation to the artist or the creative And so it's kind of this like self-fulfilling prophecy and that the minority isn't going to be heard, which makes all the sense in the world, right? It's a minority, so it's not going to sell ads and they're not going to be able to put little Instagram ads into that because they don't, no one's going to see it because no one wants to watch it or the majority doesn't want to, which is a terrible feeling for creatives, right? And there's, there used to be, like groups that you could go with and all those like local groups, there used to be photography clubs, right? There's maybe one or two photography clubs that I know of here in Denver and they meet infrequently. You used to be able to go there and get critical feedback and share your work and talk to people. And it's great. And that's why like when we met down at precision, those were all like-minded people and everyone talked like there was several people that came up while you're there and we talked to different people for hours sometimes well we talk to you for hours yeah. and like when you meet people that are like-minded it's so connecting it's so uplifting and you leave that place just feeling reinvigorated and you have like a new energy which is the exact opposite of i think of what most people feel on social media platform after they post their art mm-hmm. and like i haven't posted on instagram for months because i just don't see a point to it right now mm-hmm. um there was a point where you it, you ha- almost had to do it for portfolio work just because clients were looking out there, but clients are looking past that. And as long as you have a decent website that you can direct them to, they'll look past that and say, okay, this person knows what they're doing. But 
I don't know. From a creative standpoint, social media is not a, a good place for me. Um, my thought for people to share just because you're not going to get the critical feedback, number one, and you're not going to get the any sort of engagement out there. Maybe if you've met the people face to face, like we still engage each other on Instagram. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like I've, there's a handful of people that I've met on social media and that there's 1500 people that still follow me on that account and I just don't post. So I don't know. I'm not, not a big advocate for it, I guess right now. Yeah. You can learn a lot through it though. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's been interesting because even the way that I want to use social media, it was again, and, and I'm still trying to break through it is those blocks of being like, well, I have to get these likes or I have to have this type of style or aesthetic or I have to present it in this type of way. And what I've just decided to do is just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I just want to post. <laughs> Sorry, my cat totally. is meowing. <laughs> <She's>... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll see if she keeps meowing. Um but it's it just to be like, you know what? I'm just going to put it up there because I just want to share this footage with my friends and family. And if anybody else resonates with it, then great. But I've I've been trying to push myself to get into the mindset of like, you know what? I'm going to take it back to when Instagram first started, where you just posted a bunch of random shit and you were like, look at all this stuff. And you weren't in it for the likes. You were just doing it to do it. Right. I want to. He wants dinner. No, I know. She's so <laughs> persistent. She's just like, man, <laughs> I'm going to have to learn to edit that out. <laughs> but it's all learning process, right? It really is. Yeah. And I mean, like, just going back to my point, it's almost like getting back to just wanting to share all of my pictures and my videos and trying to do a throwback to when Instagram was initially like that, where people just didn't care what it was like and it was just original and authentic. And you're posting for your friends and your family. You're not posting for all these strangers and what their expectations are. And so I wonder at what point we'll get back to that, where we're sharing again for the sake of the people in our lives versus just, I need to be liked by so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's coming. I mean, there's that new app. Well, it's not even new anymore, but there's the app that once a day, gosh, I'm going to mess this up. I don't have it. So I'm not an expert in this. Um, once a day, it allows you to post exactly where you are, what you're doing and that's it. Oh. And, and so it's very much like at one o'clock you're taking a photo and it's me in a classroom or whatever it is. And so people are, that was the biggest app last year, I think. Really? That's very new. I've never heard of it. Which is interesting, but I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know. I'm getting old, I guess, and that I just, like all these like trends, I'm just like, meh, not doing it. <laughs> that's how I feel so, all the time. <laughs> right. I just, well, it, and that's the difference between being in corporate, I think, and freelancing too, is like my entire world is... I get up at 5.45. I start my day with my cup of coffee because that's the only way it's going to start. And then from there, it's like, get the kid ready. Uh, Kristen leaves at 6.50, I think. So if if my little guy's awake, then it's 
breakfast time. Otherwise, it's a fight to like, hey, get up because they change the schedule and he has to be to school by seven forty-five. And so it, like, you just start start going crazy, and then I get back to the house and it's like, all right, well, if I have client work, I jam on that. If I have to send out estimates, I work on that. It's just like go go go. So like me to take, which I should, I should slow down and be like look around in my world that I'm living in. But I just, I don't know. I'm just not there right now in the mindset of take a phone out to take a picture at one o'clock every day or whatever time it is to share it with an audience. Like I just don't, but then I say that, but then we spent hours filming ourselves on YouTube Mm. to try and help people with like species or like we're doing this bighorn ram that we're filming right now. And we spent six hours in the field and we met four or five people out there that just talked to us over time. And that, that is confirmation enough that it's useful. And they went on and like we saw three of them just become subscribers that night. And so that's really cool engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So like that's someone that you met that got something from you that they think that you will continue to benefit them enough that they subscribe to your channel and that's that's huge whereas me posting a photo of a drift car or a a bear an eagle or something like that is just not how does that better someone Hmm. i don't know so that's what i kind of struggle with is and maybe that's just me being in a a thoughtful moment or a thoughtful phase of my life where i'm like i don't know is what i'm doing bettering my family or me or the human race probably not in some different outlook right now. Yeah. No, and that's well, for one, I love all your your photos and videos. Like the the work that you and Michael do is really awesome. Thanks. But I I like Thanks. I appreciate a lot of that work because I'm also a nerd and I'm like, "Oh my god, look at all these things." And <laughs> right. it, it inspires me to be like, "Yeah, I want to get out there one day. I want to go and see that one day." And I think the the thing that it feels like both of us are just like adventurers at heart. And so it's almost like we're sharing parts of the world and parts of this life that there are people who will never experience that, or they would never even think to try to go and experience something like that or see those things. And so that's something that I always try to keep in mind is, I mean, even with this podcast, it's like a random idea. And I'm like, I hope it inspires some people to make a change in their life, but I have no idea. I have no idea if people are going to sit and listen to an hour and a half of content or, you know, or subscribe to anything. Um, But it's just kind of a leap of faith at that regard. And, And if it doesn't work out, I have gotten a chance to just spend some good quality time with some amazing people that have entered into my life and have inspired me in some kind of way. So, yeah. Even if we're not maybe impacting the world, impacting at least one person. Well, and maybe that's something that I need to think about is even a visual can impact someone. Nothing, mm-hmm. Like you don't need to have earth shattering or life changing interactions with everyone. It can be a simple, oh, I wish I could experience that interaction. So I need to reevaluate that, I think. So that's a good insight. Yeah, but I don't want to yeah. also... You know, comp- I'll start posting every day again. No, I'm Good. Kidding. I'm going to hope you do that. <laughs> right. 
No, but I, I understand, I understand that sentiment because I've been through that as well. And with the work and the different activities and me just branching out into my own creative journey of trying all these different and very new things, I'm like, what is the point of this overall? You know, and it, and it, it does get like discouraging and, you know, it is sometimes difficult to find purpose or to remember the purpose behind it. And it's just like, yeah, your passion is like part of that purpose. And so I under, I understand where you're coming from. Um, so I don't mean to, you know, diminish like what you have. Oh, no, not way, at all. But like, I understand where you're coming from, but that's just like the different lens that I try to put on to just right. get people to keep going. So yeah, the, I think maybe it's from wildlife where like, wow, like there was this ram yesterday and he had a gimp back foot, something, I don't know if he got hit by another oh. ram or something, but it was lame. And so he was carrying it and it just wasn't moving, but he was still just pursuing those females. Like he was <laughs> up, doing the lip. Exactly. <laughs> he was doing like the lip curl. He was chasing <laughs> around like he didn't care. Oh. Well, like that was his drive, right? Like it wasn't anything. It wasn't yeah. Instagram. It's not YouTube. It's like he has one goal and it's just driving towards that one goal. And so maybe it's being or maybe um, too single goal focused in that regard mm -hmm. that I just wildlife is very uh, natural and that there's a definitive end for most things in that regard. Um I don't know. It's an, you get into that whole existential uh, yeah. thought process. Right. But I think for me, the legacy, like I have a son, right. And so making the world better for him is what I'm always interested in. Like, how am I going to do that? And sometimes it can be uh, overwhelming, right? Cause most of the time one person can't change the world. There has been that before. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, there's times where you just, you have to step back and think like, well, maybe I can't change the whole world, but I can change his world. So I totally get you. Yeah, but it is, it is great to just have that because it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, I'd love to change the world and right. make this big impact. And, you know, when I feel bad or hopeless that, oh, or helpless that, hey, that might not be a reality in this, like in this lifetime people are like, well, you can change one person's life or you can impact mm -hmm. that one person. And sometimes it's just even saying hi to a stranger or smiling at somebody on the street. Yeah. And it's just like those small moments of kindness can really change a person's day completely in their mentality. And just to be seen and acknowledged and heard, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people are missing that in their life. So Yeah. Yeah, in in my travel, well, and you travel a lot, so you've probably experienced this, but there is nothing more powerful than just saying hello or good morning or good afternoon. Mm -hmm. And just a smile and those few words most of the time will get another smile and usually a hi or a hello back. And it's amazing what just a simple hi or thank you or whatever it is versus just putting your head down and kind of ducking away and walking past someone. Now, some people don't care for it, but more often than not, I've had people just very happy and mm -hmm. good afternoon or whatever. So I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, and the work that you're doing too, it's going to carry on into the future. I mean, 
as, we hope. Yeah, well, no, for sure, because, <laughs> yeah. like, especially with wildlife and nature and, you know, I'm getting more into, like, wildlife tracking and, and just extending my own knowledge and, and nature and everything that's around us. And a lot of it is, like, learning about the history of this and the morphology of that and how it's evolved over time and then learning about certain animals that are now extinct or going into extinction and then learning about the history there and being like, well, this is what the animal used to look like before humans came in and destroyed their home. But, you know, yep. like, I hate to say that, you know, the animals that you're documenting now will hit a point of extinction, extinction in the future. But if they do, you had that moment in your life where you were able to witness right. that and you can share that with other people and be like, look, like this is what they look like. Like this is firsthand experience and this is some scientific backing um, or at least evidence of what their behaviors were. And I like to think that eventually we will learn to respect nature and wildlife a little more. And so documenting you know, like everything that you're going through, I think it's important to help with that advancement. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I don't know. I mean, you guys down in Texas have the ocelot, which is a small cat. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and it's like the habitat is itty bitty compared to what it, it used to be like most of Texas. And now it's like one little refuge down there. And yeah. so that's something where, it's definitely, although they're trying to do reintroduction programs, I read. And so they're, they're trying to bring it back to Texas. So that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I agree with you on the wildlife front. It's, um, well, and just like we were talking to, I forget if it, it was a boat captain maybe, or maybe it was one of the guides, but they were talking about the glaciers up in Alaska and how they've seen it recede in the 20 years that they've lived up there. And he had actually taken a picture from 20 years ago and then had taken one recently and he was looking through his uh, images and he was surprised how much it's actually moved back. And so it's, yeah, the world's not going to be the same in 10 years. So for, I don't know if it's going to be better or worse, but it's just not going to be the same, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm like hopeful, but then I'm also like, Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, it's up to us to change it. I know. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like, do you ever see yourself getting out of photography, videography, and social media, considering all the uh, things that we just talked about? I mean, I don't do Instagram anymore. Yeah. I probably haven't posted since, I don't know, it's been months. Mm -hmm. YouTube, I like YouTube because you can be thoughtful. Like, I don't have to care what people, sorry, my kid is bouncing around upstairs. <laughs> That's okay. My Hopefully kid, you can't hear my that. My kid's right here too. She's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I probably won't, I struggle with Instagram just because, I don't know, it's a picture and. I don't know. I struggle with Instagram for some reason. And I have no idea why. I just don't like the whole interaction with it. But YouTube, I feel like we can be a little more thoughtful and we can curate what we're saying. We we can make it more of a engaging content. And sometimes, I mean, there's going to be things that we have to put out, like the basics of exposure, right? But at the same time, I think those types of videos will help people from a video standpoint. I think a lot of the videos that you would watch right now on video, like 
like the basis basics of exposure for video are going to be over the head of most people. And I think that's where me working with Michael, who's like a, he's done this his entire life. We can give a different perspective than someone that's just an expert already. They don't have that beginning fundamentals of all the struggles I went with of like, what shutter should I be on to make videos at 24 frames a second or whatever? And like, they start talking about the 180 degree shutter roll and you're like, what's a 180 (laughs) degree roll, right? Like, and so it's just being self-taught, you just have a different outlook than someone that went to school for it. And they have like this deep understanding of everything. Whereas I'm like, what's a great card? And you just like, (laughs) I don't know, right? You just have to learn. But that's how most people learn. Like most of us didn't go to school for it. And so knowing that, I think we can help a lot of people that way. And that's just fun. Um, Plus engaging with people. And I just don't get the engagement on Instagram. Mm. Uh, And Facebook, I was never really into. So I would post on there, but it was more just a checkmark type thing when I was trying to grow that whole thing. But it's like, what what am I growing that for? My business isn't dictated by that. I don't get paid from it. So what is my ultimate um, like use in that? And I can't put client work out there. I can't do anything that's really impactful right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have taken a step back here in the past few months and I'm, I just haven't posted just because I don't, I don't have, but you, you gave me some thought that I need to go think about of maybe there was people that were gaining inspiration from where we've been and some of the pictures we've taken. Um, Michael and I were talking about how we have these bias that sometimes we feel like, like bears, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I have thousands of pictures of bears and it's to the point of like, well, do I need to show another picture of a bear on there? Mm -hmm. But in the end, like how many people are actually going to get to experience a close up picture of a thousand pound brown bear or a, black bear sitting in the top of an oak tree eating acorns. Right. And so having that, taking a step back and being like, am I just feeling like it's overwhelming or is the world still care about this is two different things. Well, in the world, like to the point earlier, like the world doesn't have to care about it. Like you just have to care about it. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting too, because, um, and that gave me an idea as well, but I know for like my tracking courses. I'm, I'm trying to record more of like the lessons and the conversations that we have around certain things. And um, I'm trying to share that more either on my personal account or my school's account. And I'm wondering if, you know, if you and Michael were to reach out to specific institutions or schools or uh, educational networks that work with these different animals, whether it's conservation or, you know, again, like a tracking school or something, because, uh, in that regard for me personally, like with tracking, we were like, we got a book and we see all the different tracks, all the footprints or paw prints, I should say, but then they wouldn't have a picture of an animal. And I'm like, well, what the heck does this animal look like? I'm, I'm not native to Texas. So what the heck kind of animal am I supposed to be envisioning right now? So obviously with like bears, it's kind of easy to identify that, but 
it's one thing to go through and be like, oh, a bear was here because they exhibited this type of behavior or they were climbing into a tree and they were, you know, pulling back the branches to eat, you know, the berries or the nuts or whatever. It's one thing to try to envision that. But if y'all are actually getting footage of this stuff, it's easier for people and students to now start putting together the pieces and being like, oh, this is what they're doing when they're doing whatever action. So I'm wondering if that yep. could be like another outlet for y'all too. Well, and that, yeah. The problem we usually run in with that is that a lot of those schools, like it's all based around money, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, they either, because a lot of that footage is unique, right? Not a lot of people have a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, do you part with it for, for free just because ultimately we're not rich by any of these things. So you do have to have some money. Um, I don't know. It's a balance. We do, we've been toying with like an educational program for like younger, um, I don't even know what the PC term is, young people now. <laughs> and The PC. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> But yeah, like people that I always thought it would be cool to introduce people that didn't have the means to do it, right? Like we all have a phone, so we can all start there. But a lot of people just don't understand that it's so much about a story. I think the generation that's coming up probably has a better idea than you and I did when we started this out, just in that they've been a TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat world where stories matter even though they don't maybe understand that perspective, but that it's an entire generation that's comfortable in front of a camera. Right. Yeah. And so that's already that much ahead of where most of us were that have been doing this for a while. But we, we've thought about an educational program surrounding that. The hard thing is just getting, I've reached out to a few schools and they want to put a curriculum around it and it needs to be more fluid. Like, people learn photography at different speeds and to put a course, you can put coursework around it, but it needs to be very much driven by the individual, right? Individuals are the ones that are going to change, not the coursework changing them. If someone wants to learn exposure, they're going to go figure it out, mm -hmm. but I can tell it to them a thousand different ways and that's not going to make any sense if they don't care about it. So it's just finding those individuals and getting that out there. So we have a small group that we've, identified and so we'll probably start moving towards that in the future hmm. yeah, yeah and that just gave me an idea for a potential collaboration but i will share that with you off camera yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> yeah because i mean that's that's what i love about connecting with different people is mm -hmm. i can connect them to the people that i know because it, it is a small world and you know when right. When I have my network, it's like, you guys are all connected. You don't realize that you're connected, but you are through me. Right. And I love just getting my friends together and being like, hey, like you have this in common with this person. And I know you guys would never meet any other time in the world, but like, right. I want to make those introductions because you, you guys can learn from another, from one another and mm -hmm. um, collaborate on different things and just develop your own friendships and connections. And so I, I always love like connecting people in that way. So yeah, yeah I'll definitely I'll think about it cool. and I'll pitch it out and see what kind of traction I can get from, from you guys. Yeah. And then that party too, I have to, I have to 
figure it out. But yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like on a business side of things, kind of backtracking a little bit, but if somebody is getting into social media and they're like, okay, I'm a freelancer and I want to do the social media work or get on podcasting and YouTube and all of that. When you're forming an LLC um, or even an S corp, let's say, is all of that going to fall under the same bucket or are you essentially creating a different business for each type of platform? Like how is it that you guys are going about that? So we are actually separate companies completely. So my company is actually, um, it's Daybreak Media and that's a separate LLC. Then we have Truth and Legend, but then um, Michael has his own Morrow Media platform that's been around for years. And you'll find that as a freelancer, if that's what someone wants to get into, as a freelancer, you got to protect yourself first and foremost. Um, you're going to have to have your own insurance. And through most things, like if you're a professional photographers of America um, member, mm. you get that insurance through their membership fees. And so just use those membership fees and use those services. When you begin, you'll be able to leverage that. You as you grow in your work, you're probably going to need to up that insurance just because a um, million dollars will only cover so much in the corporate world. If you are working with a prototype system and you break it or you break something that it's going on, is it worth a million dollars or is it worth more? So that's the the kind of thing you have to ask yourself in the beginning, right? If you're doing like sports stuff and you, I don't know if you break a ladder or you break a backboard, it's probably less than a million dollars. Um, so that's just something to be considerate of. But on the the social media front, I think that would all just roll into one LLC. I mean, obviously check with your local areas. But for me, I just roll everything into my one company. We do, when I was doing my Instagram stuff, which I'll probably get back into, but the Instagram stuff all rolls into that. Um, the YouTube, everything just rolls into the company. And then that way, it's separated from my personal world. Um, you could run a, the entire company as a sole proprietorship. It's just risk adverse. How adverse to risk are you, right? So a consideration to make is that if you mess something up, if you're out in a grocery store doing a TikTok dance and you slip and fall, or let's say you hit something and someone else slips and falls and they sue you, they sue your company as a sole proprietor you're all, you're exposed to that if you're in a company level then you have a certain level of insulation from that and so it's just how much risk you want to take if you're doing things that probably aren't that risky then i don't know you're gonna have to weigh those benefits and detriments because you are gonna it's a separate tax number you're gonna have to do taxes you gotta save receipts i mean there's a whole box back here of receipts that i have not scanned in yet that <laughs> just not looking forward to and it's december <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's i don't know it's uh it's just how much you want to go through and if you're gonna stick with it i think it's again you'll know when you need to have a company around it mm -hmm. um when people start if you're to that point where people are reaching out on instagram like hey i want to work with you and they're a good brand or maybe a small brand like yeah work with them and see where it goes because uh there's been some accounts that they've made a ton of money doing that and they just do brand photography and, or just do brand uh, sponsorships, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so for you, how have you filtered through, 
um, different kinds of companies that have reached out. I mean, I know on Instagram, there's tons of random businesses that are like, yeah, we're just popping up or we'd love to have you and blah, 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 blah. And how are you sorting through the, uh, the scam profiles versus like the legitimate businesses? Yeah. I find that most of the time the legitimate businesses will reach out to you either through a channel or through an email that is relatable to the brand or product. Whereas the scams are like, Hey, if you're interested in the sponsorship, reach out to this account and they'll get you all the stuff you need where it's like you're doing the engagement versus them engaging you. And we just don't even engage with any of that stuff. We have not taken on any sponsors for our channel or our product. Um, we just, we want to, if we're going to do that, we want to make sure we believe a hundred percent in it. We do have some ambassador and affiliate codes. Um, I'm an Atlas pack. They're a backpack company. Um, I'm an Atlas ambassador so I can get some affiliate money from them when people buy through my links and stuff like that. But for the most part, we just try to stay humble, be honest about things. Um, you're going to see a review out there at some point in time about some of the nomadic bags that Peter McKinnon has. If you're a wildlife photographer, that bag is not going to work for you. <laughs> I will tell you right now, it is going to break down yeah. and it is not good. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll be honest and we'll probably get shunned for that. But at the same point, that's kind of what we're, we don't want people spending $400 on a bag. That's not going to work for them if they're yeah. doing the same thing we are. Yeah. You have literal, field experience. I mean, that's like user yeah. acceptance testing of different products and devices. It's like, yep. well, you know, you're obviously going to compare different types of things. So right. they have to be ready to hear the harsh feedback from their product. It's like, that's what you get for yeah. putting a product out, make sure it's actually good. Otherwise people are going to. Well, and I think for the majority of people, like if you're a street photographer or you're a like a hobby, like the majority of people, I think that bag's going to be great for them. But the second you start dragging that through, well, and I wasn't even doing like wildlife field work. I was doing um, golf field work for commercial stuff. Yeah. And it just fell apart on me. Oh. And the zipper broke. Well, two zippers broke on me. One of the poles came off. Like It was just a bad day. And so I ended up carrying all my stuff around the duffel bag for the rest of the trip, just oh, all no. clinking together. <laughs> so, oh, that's terrible. Was, but yeah, because you can you usually have like a long lens that you put over your shoulder, yeah. and then you have another like uh, wide angle or like a twenty four to seventy on a a sling. Mm -hmm. But then you have a backpack with all the other stuff in it, and uh, all that stuff ended up in the duffel, which was okay. It was fine, <laughs> but yeah, you learned. <laughs> I did quickly yeah so i mean that kind of goes back to to show like you know invest in good gear but expect for things to fall apart or break and that's part of like the overhead cost that you have to you know filter in for yeah. whatever business you're into it's like make sure you plan for an overhead or have like a little savings or emergency account for those repairs or extra gear or emergencies or whatever else you may encounter but yeah, I mean, I've done, I I haven't checked here recently, but in November, I had done half a million shutter exposures in one of my cameras mm -hmm. this year alone. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so, like, you'll do an event. If you want to be an event photographer, learn how to photograph in low light and 
because sometimes you're not going to be able to use flash and figure out how like banding is going to be a huge issue unless you have the new a9 mark ii but like banding is a huge issue for mirrorless cameras and it's a simple fix but learn how to fix that on your camera and then just get ready because you're going to take 10,000 photos or 15,000 photos because you're trying to get that one shot where the person's not like, <laughs> right? Yeah. If they're talking, that's what they're doing most yeah. of the time. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like a, it's a fun journey. I mean, like there's a lot oh, yeah. of things that go into and half the time I'm like, I don't know what any of these settings are on my camera, but I'm just going to push buttons and yeah, I'm going to yep. hope for the best. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that's how it is. That's <laughs> how you learn. Yeah. And so, Brandon, as we, we go to wrap things up, um, mm -hmm. do you have anything that you would like to share with the audience? Anything uh, anything that's maybe inspired you or any final tips or whatever final words? Anything you want to share? Hmm. Uh, I don't have. I mean, for those of you that are feeling like maybe there's not a future in photography or video, like just hang in there, keep going. Uh, it is a hard trip, but just hang in there and keep going. It is so fulfilling once you get there and just keep striving for it. The more you can learn, better off you're going to be. So I don't know. It's nothing deep or insightful, but I don't, I don't have much else for you. No, I think that's perfect. Honestly, just keep yeah. going. That's all we can do. I mean, in anything that we're doing in life, just keep going because you are going to hit those walls. You are going to hit those hurdles and you're going to have higher mountains to climb as you keep accelerating and moving up. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I appreciate that. And again, I really appreciate seeing your work and I really hope that Instagram doesn't deter you from sharing it. We'll figure, we'll have to figure out like maybe there's we'll a different platform or something else. Yep. Maybe we'll just create a new one or something Right. <laughs> because it's, it's so important to, to see that. And you know, I love seeing your work and Michael's work. And it's like, those are the things that I would love to do one day. But again, I'm living through you. And so I yep. hope that you continue to share that and realize that you are inspiring people, at least me anyway, in the kind of work that you're doing. So we'll put some out there for you. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll check in too. I'll be like, I haven't seen a video or right. picture Where in a while. It? So well, it's funny because I think we gave you homework <laughs> when we were done and then we're the ones that aren't doing that. So, oh my gosh. Whoops. Well, the homework was, I think to start the YouTube, which I kind of did, but then I ended up just starting a podcast instead. So I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> find your own voice, right? It doesn't matter. It's all good. <laughs> the point was to start so, because I yeah. think actually there's, there's a great thing to end on. I think what so many people get caught up in is, well, when I'm ready, I'm going to go be a freelancer and I'm going to go do video and photos. When I'm ready, I'm going to go make a YouTube. When I'm ready, I'm going to go be a podcast. Look, you're never going to be ready. Mm -hmm. Just jump in and do it. And you're going to learn so much more, so much faster as soon as you do it. Now, you can figure out ways to avoid that risk and maybe not like put your entire financial instability into being a freelancer. But like, just go do it. It's scary. It's anxiety inducing, but you got this, like just stick with it. So yeah, I think there's a good one to end on. You can end on that one. Yeah. I like that too. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you so much for your time and for all of your knowledge and, and insight into this, because I know it is a it's an industry that is just evolving before our eyes with all these different types of technology and platforms. So I really appreciate you. And for our listeners, uh, feel free to check out Brandon's Instagram and his website and YouTube and podcasts. I'm going to include all of that stuff in the bio. So feel free to go check that out because he has, again, a lot of really cool photos and videos. And again, even like the car photography, like I really like, there's like some really cool drifting ones. And so that's just really cool to see. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, just continue to support him. And so thank you all so much for your time and until the next one. Thank you.